0: Hello, I'm Paul Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. If you listened to last week's episode, uh, you may recall that I said this week I would be talking about discrimination against older women in performance media. Well, that's actually going to have to wait because I have a couple of interesting interviews planned, so... However, speaking of interesting interviews, I'd like to introduce you to someone I recently met at West Virginia's Shepherd University's annual Aging Well workshop. Dr. Heidi Dobish is an associate professor of psychology at the university, and one of her areas of expertise is aging, So I asked her, what are the
1: components of the psychology of aging? To me, it means a lot about just successful aging. You're talking about the physical changes, the psychological changes, social, interpersonal, career, retirement, and all that comes with that. Um, Also, the public policy is a part of that as well. You know, how does that impact uh, your finances and health and all sorts of things. So it's um, spirituality, your meaning of life um, pretty much encompasses all of that. It's the whole person. Um, spirituality is important in older adults. It doesn't mean organized religion necessarily, but older women are older adults are the majority of the volunteers in the churches and organized religion. But it doesn't mean that meaning of life is not important. It becomes more important as we get older. That's what are some of the differences in there. So in social roles, they take on different roles when you go from being, you're always a parent, but you move from that, when they get a, to be an adulthood, do you move from to be an advisor to the adult child then to being a grandparent? And what does that mean? We're seeing more and more grandparents being the primary caregiver of their grandkids and that impacts them financially and there is not a whole lot of acknowledgement about that in terms of how can they get their financial support that they need are they going to become the guardian do they do it officially you know there's there's a whole host of differences between the two and what i've come to realize is is that we do need studies you need funding for those studies and as women become more into public policy get more positions in the government and in the community elections and the state elections, that can influence these policies. Advocate for yourself. So when you're doing any community initiative, bring age to the table. So if there's a town hall meeting, if there's a any initiative about you know building a sidewalk or what's an issue that we're having with the water, whatever, bring age to the table. So have representation. Who should be at the table and be as inclusive as possible and don't dismiss and say, well, they're not working anymore. So then they're dismissed because that's not a qualifier. If they're going to use the resources, if they are a part of the community, they should be included. Dr. Dobish takes an intergenerational,
0: interactive approach in her Psychology of Aging course. Every spring semester, she brings together 20 to 24 college students by Zoom with a dozen or so senior adults. And she's always looking for more seniors. Her goals are to reduce stereotypes and effectuate more and better communication across the age divide. Her role models
1: are her own grandmothers. My mother's mother was from Germany, Um, immigrated here in 1900s. And she was just a very active person. She tried out for the German Olympics and swimming and in skiing. She was just, I never once heard the word, you know, I'm too old. So she was like, she's the one who taught me how to race dive because she tried out for the Olympics for diving. So she taught me swimming. She, she was not sitting down. And then I had the other set of grandparents on my father's side that regularly said, I'm too old. And they were younger than my maternal grandmother, but you know, I'm too old, I can't do that. And I just remember them sitting in the chair a lot, watching TV. And that just was two opposite pictures. I liked my maternal grandmother. I enjoyed, you know, getting involved, getting, you know, and and I always said, that's how I'm going to age. So I had this role model. And so, um, and then I hear the beliefs and the, and statements. When I hear it, I'm having a senior moment I just I kind of get cringe a little so those sorts of beliefs gets perpetuated and then I've, I've read the studies that show when you put the young adults in with older adults in any sort of activity in the workplace especially the older adults that stereotype gets gets activated called stereotype threat and and it gets activated so they they engage in the behaviors because they're aware of the stereotype they're aware of how younger adults Um, view them. And so it gets perpetuated. So my goal was always to reduce aging stereotypes whenever I taught psych of aging. And I did a variety of things. I tried to do community service. And then the younger adults were so anxious, just so unwilling to engage with older adults that they wouldn't do the hours and they would take the grade hit just to avoid doing it. And so I'm like, okay. So then I got, I just kept getting creative. I'm going to have you engage. I'm going to because the thing with stereotypes is that the belief keeps perpetuating because you make exceptions. Not my grandma, not my aunt, not this. You keep making exceptions because your interactions are really primarily only with your family. So I said, okay, we'll let's force the issue a little bit. So Sale came along, which is Shepherdstown area for independent living, a community for older adults taking care of one another wherever they're aging. And then you have the lifelong learning program. So I recruited from those who are active, engaged, vibrant, and say you know you want to have these community discussions with younger adults and have community engagement, um, and so the first year was face to face. It was eh, um, it was a little clunky. We had to work out some bugs, and then the pandemic hit. So then we did Zoom, and um, and then we this is my second third year doing this now, and over the Zoom, then they had to write reflections papers. A big part of doing um, engagement is to have a reflection piece, have them think about this experience. What did it mean for me? And I would have prompts, specific prompts that they had to answer. We would meet about a topic. I always did stereotypes. And so what I would do is they would have, um, the younger adults would have a list of stereotypes that they have about older adults. Everybody had to send me one. The older adults had to give a stereotype about younger adults as many as I could get. Hopefully everybody gave me one. And so I put the two lists together and then I would send them out before our first discussion on beliefs. And oftentimes the majority of the list from the younger people were negative stereotypes about older adults. And the older adults list was primarily positive. Loved engaging with the younger adults. They had all these positive things to say. So then there's a conversation. Look at the list. What do you see? What do you observe? I don't need to spell it out for them. They can see it for themselves. So let them talk about it. So there were questions that they had to talk about, including I always include language, because language is important for stereotypes and it's important for ageism. So bring that, you know, have them discuss the kind of languages they use in, in writing the even the, the stereotype. And then another discussion usually followed that the following week was on ageism, the discrimination and act, active behavior, and recognizing that there is discrimination against younger adults as well using language like kids, when well, you kids, well, the students are adults, they're over 18 and using language like kids, goes both ways, right? So what language are we using to describe age and populations? Is it positive? Is it not? So what, what does that do? So being mindful of those sorts of things. So just making awareness. And then we talked about social roles. Those are, that was another topic. We talked about um, stress. How do you cope and manage stress? And it's very interesting how some of the younger adults coped very similarly to older adults and they could exchange tips. And, and they developed such a connection that they wanted to meet outside of class. And I said, sure, I can facilitate that, but I will bring your you know, emails together and then you guys take off with it, whatever you wanna do. But they kind of waited too long and the students were graduating and like, I can't do it now. but. So the the most common thing was students were very, very anxious. The younger adults were very, very anxious about these inter-engagement, intergenerational engagements. And so we got at the wrap-up session and in their final reflective papers, they gave me a wonderful suggestions. One of them is to calm the anxiety. Let's have a meet and greet first. So we'll meet on Zoom, introduce everybody, right? I would have icebreakers and things like that, but that wasn't enough. They were just so anxious. So, so I'll do that. I'll do an icebreaker so everybody gets to know That's not so bad because one of the things is they were just highly anxious. This is an anxious population. I've seen anxiety, mental health increase post, post-COVID. You know, they're not, they just have some social anxiety. So I can handle that. So I'm going to do that differently is have a meet and greet so that it's not about anxiety. The goal is to reduce stereotypes, not make you afraid. And so by... Doing this, it, turned, it was super positive on both sides. Um, the older adults complained about how the younger adults weren't talking. And then I, I showed, well, my observations are is they defer to you first. They, they let all the older adults go first and speak first, and then they talk. And the older adults weren't, weren't aware of that. And I said, they've been pretty consistent with this because they are talking. But if you just notice, they go first. Now it could be cultural, it could be out of respect, so that's you'd have to ask them that, why they're doing it. But that's been my observation. So everybody, I was watching on Zoom, everybody's eyes got wide. So it's it's been interesting noting these differences, but they're not big differences. You know, they're not. And so I think that's what came out of it, is that most of the even older and younger, all said, they're not that different from me. You said that there was a lot of anxiety. Was it oh. just on the part of the younger? Emotional regulation improves across the entire lifespan so that whole regulating of our emotions when we're younger we're not as good at it so if you have anxiety it's probably really really high but as we get older we get better and better at managing our emotions i mean mean, the example i have is probably not a positive one but if you think about the 20 year olds that are in prison for a violent outburst or some aggressive when they get out if they're 60 they're calmer right? They, they can regulate their emotions. It's not unique just in that population, but just across the lifespan. They, you, you. We learn how to regulate and it happens until the day we die. So that ability to regulate our emotions. So older adults were nervous, but for different reasons, they didn't want to look like they don't know how to do zoom. They didn't know, you know, the technology get on there early to make sure if they have technology, the difficulties, they don't want to miss anything. They, they're so excited to be there that they. Their anxiety was about, I want to make sure I'm there. I don't want to miss any piece of this. The younger adults are about interacting with people I don't know. Oh my gosh, and they're older. And if they're like my grandparents, they're going to lecture me. They're not going to listen to me. They're going to be that, right? So their anxieties are different, but it's still anxiety. Older adults have anxiety. Younger adults have anxiety. The younger adults, I'm seeing social anxiety big time because they're not that great at managing it and coping. I do it every year in the spring teach Psych of Aging every year in the spring. And yes, I'm gonna keep doing it because I, I think, it, think it's important. And I hope that what comes out of that is that you're including older adults in your encounters. Because the thing is, older adults have a large number in society now. It's a large population. And older adults are not all the same. So you're going to, if you're graduating, you're going into your career and you will be interacting with older adults. The beliefs that you have about them is important and they can't all be negative. Engage with them that they are not a lump sum. They're not just in a lump. They're so diverse, just like you, and recognize that. So if you're working at a bank, you are going to interact with older adults. If you're working, you know, in a company, your teammates will be older adults, but you will have to sell a product, whatever it is. So we are in the population and we're a diverse lifespan population and that's what communities are made of so your fears and your anxiety and your lack of knowledge should not negatively impact you or others so in these discussions what came out of i don't know which one or might be a couple of them but it did come out because the students wrote in their papers that they felt really badly for the older adults because they are saying I'm not needed anymore, I'm ignored, I'm dismissed. And they had stories to back up all that they were saying and it made the younger adults feel very, very badly. So they said, I'm, I'm not gonna do that anymore, I'm gonna be more aware. Um, and I, I said the one story at the workshop about how one student who was a server was afraid to go to the older adult table that she's and and so as she got comfortable interacting with older adults, she's like, now I'm not afraid. I, I wasn't trying to ignore them, I just was so afraid, I anxious, I didn't know, I didn't know that I had anything in common with them. And now she recognizes that she does. So it's things that like you're not that different. Age doesn't doesn't have to be a wall, it can be what connects us, not what divides us. And the final project that all the students are supposed to do is interview a family member. I I encourage family, I don't make it mandatory, but to encourage somebody of an older generation than than themselves. And they have to, there's certain content requirements that they have to learn about their life, their childhood, their family members, their nationality, uh, where they lived, where they grew up, what was their educational experiences like? What was their work experience like? Did they, what was their training for their work? What were their life experiences? Um, what are they do they have any health problems? So their health status, what what's their marriages, relationships, et cetera, children, so their life story. And they have to write their own their own questions based on what the required content is. And they have to write the write up the summary. And then they have to answer, the student has to answer five questions related to what did they think about this project, what did they get out of it, did it change their beliefs about older adults, et cetera. And what's come out of that is most of them do do family members. They do their grandmother. Some of them record it so that they have that voice forever during the interview. Some of them say, I learned about things about my family I had no idea about. Other people have done it where they had a very contentious relationship with their father or their mother. And they do this assignment and it brings them closer because they now say, well, now I understand why they are the way they are. Some of their life experiences and some of them have had really rough Upbringings and rough experiences, including combat and, and whatever. So, what I get from this is if it strengthens families, anything that strengthens families can strengthen society.
0: If you're interested in participating in Dr. Heidi Dobish's online Intergenerational Psychology of Aging course, you can contact her by email at hdobish, that's D as in doll, O, B as in boy, I, S as in Sam, H, at shepherd, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D dot, EDU. And I'll put her email as well as information about Shepherd University's annual Aging Well workshop on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. You've been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.